today we're going to be talking about the surrender life. That's what I titled this message. So I wanted to share some things. I haven't been with you guys, so I feel like I'm just going to preach two messages to you because I haven't preached in a while because I haven't been in youth because I had a baby girl, by the way. I think we got some pictures. Isn't she beautiful? That's Eva Shalom Free. Come on. She is loved by daddy. And uh, she, see that little hand up there on the right? Yeah, that's the one that dad's wrapped around. You know what I'm saying? I'm already wrapped around that little hand. She could just do anything. She could coo and I'll just start crying. But uh, this is actually a picture of the moment of her birth. We actually had a home birth. I don't want to freak anybody out. But it was one of the most peaceful experiences I've ever walked through in my life. It was incredible. We're going to talk more about that today in my message. But look at dad's face up here. I'm just like, the midwife asked me, she said, you're going to cry the whole time? I said, yes. <laughs> Just you asking me that question, I started crying. But, and mom, look at this. This is, unexp- I mean, just joy of a birth. You know what I'm saying? That's, that is a picture of what your purpose looks like when it's fulfilled. Amen. Right there. That's what it looks like when you walk through surrender and your blessing comes. Right there. So we're going to talk about that today. And an interesting note is that, uh, I wanted to say this real quick, that on December the 5th, 2011, um, I visited Israel for the first time in my life, and it's the only time that I've been there. But my daughter, uh, not coincident, was born on December the 5th, 2018, which is seven years later. And I, was, I didn't even realize that until a few days later, and I started praying, and I asked the Lord. I was just asking the Lord, just thanking him for my daughter. And he said, you know what, Nathan, your daughter was born the day you landed in Israel, the promised land. And he said, that's seven years. That's my number of perfection, and I just want you to know that I have your promise in mind. And she's a sign of your promise. And there's no coincidences in the kingdom of God. There's only God. They didn't believe that biblically. That oh, this just coincidentally happened. Nope, God orchestrated that. I had no way of orchestrating that. God orchestrated that, knew that she was going to be born on December the 5th. He had it all planned out. And he said that that is a sign of the promise. And so I want to talk to us today about your purpose, or we can interchange that with promise. But uh, today, uh, we're going to start seeing some promises and purposes fulfilled in 2019. And I want to talk to you about surrendered life. I'm sorry. Can I get my water? I've got like a little sinus thing going on. You guys just pray for me. <clears throat> but I want to talk about what the Lord showed me. And he said the way that you get to your purpose is by way of surrender. And Jesus did it and modeled it. And I want to just talk about it. You see, there's so many different ways. And I, I want to kind of give you like a little reading the Bible 101 on how they teach us in ministry school and seminary is first you got to find the context. So what I'm going to be talking about today is Matthew 26. We're going to be looking at verse 36 through 46, and I'm going to give you the context. And so first of all, Matthew wrote the book, The Gospel of Matthew, because he wanted to give the Christians uh, like a reference point to rebuttal the Jews. 
because they were trying to say that Jesus wasn't the Messiah. And he wrote the Gospel of Matthew saying that, no, Jesus is the Messiah. Here's why. He fulfilled prophecy. He died. He resurrected. He is the Son of God. And, and that's why. So he wrote this so that they will have uh, uh, something to reference when the Jews are coming to them saying, Jesus is not the Messiah. Well, he is. And here in chapter 26, uh, after he's made this grandiose case, we're starting here in chapter 26 of the last couple days of Jesus' life. And we're talking about the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And in this chapter, Jesus begins to uh, tell his disciples that he is going to die and that he's had the last supper with them. He tells Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me. Uh, you know, uh, Judas, you're going to betray me. And he's telling them these things and predicts his death and how it's going to happen. And then we pick up right here in verse 36. Now that you have the context, you're welcome for that history lesson. <clears throat> Jesus begins to uh, walk through something here. And we pick it up in verse 36. And I'm just going to read this for you and then we're going to pray. So in verse 36 it says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowfully and deeply distressed. That's key. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further, a little farther, and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away. And prayed a third time, saying the same words. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this word today that you've laid on my heart. <clears throat> Lord, I pray that I begin to articulate your heart to your body. Lord, let it not be my words, but let it be your words coming forth. And let us see that a life of surrender is what we are to be doing. It is to be a part of our daily walk with you. And we are thankful for this journey that we are with you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So recently I was preaching and teaching my youth, and I was talking about peer pressure. And I begin to share my testimony. Some of them can tell you. Uh, parts of it, but uh, I began to tell them of a time when I was in high school and college, and I apologize in the first service to my mother. I'll do it again. Mom, I'm sorry, but this is truth. This is what happened. I began to walk a life out of drugs and addiction and partying, and I was running around with some really bad people, and I was heading down some paths that I shouldn't be going, and isn't it interesting that 15 years later, when you look back on something, you gain perspective? But if you knew it in that moment, you'd be like, that's a no-brainer. I wouldn't do that. It's a no-brainer. But in that moment, like, you're all wrapped up in this, and you don't see 
your purpose. You don't see perspective. And I didn't know my purpose. I was searching for it. I didn't know who I was. And I was lost. But as I looked at these people's lives now, not to give them a bad rap or anything, but some of them are dead. Some of these guys have held people up at gunpoint for drug money. Some of these people are burned out alcoholics and drug addicts and have uh, divorces and uh, just all kinds of things that are going wrong with them. And I said, don't you see that if you go down this path and follow this peer pressure, you won't fulfill your purpose in Christ, which is the ultimate calling on our life and what we're supposed to be doing. Because each one of you has a purpose and a calling. And it's not little, and don't let the world tell you that it is, because only the world tells you that it's little. God never tells you that it's a little calling. God calls you to greatness, and your life is meant to be a light to the world, to everyone around you. So you have purpose and destiny over your life today. And we have to fulfill it, so we can't be stooped by the world. I was a lost kid looking for my place And that's where my story fell apart. But in a moment, I surrendered to God and my life changed. And now you see me today, 15 years later, standing before you. And I have fruit to give that you can feed on for my surrender to the Lord. And that's what you have to those that you come in contact with. Maybe your calling is not to be up here on a stage and say something, but you are called to be the light of the world, and everyone you come in contact with should know that you're a Christian, and you, are, you do have fruit on your tree to feed that person in front of you. I promise you. I promise you. And we'll see a little bit more of that. God's really good at turning a mess into a message. And so you take that message that you've been giving and you preach that to the person in front of you. They might be the person that needs to hear it in that moment. There's times that I pick up my Bible and I read something. I'm like, oh, wow, that's really good. And that day, somebody needs to hear that very thing that the Lord spoke to me. They need to hear that. We come in contact with people hurting all around us. And in order for us to fulfill our purpose as a body, you guys have to be fulfilling your purpose as a people, individually. Individually. And so how many of us today long to see our purpose, or longing for our purpose, but we didn't know that our purpose is found at the backside of surrender? You have to walk through surrender and you find your purpose. And I'm going to show you that. Jesus modeled it in the passage that I just read for you. His surrender. uh, Surrender is about God getting all of you. It's not about you getting all of God. You got all of God at salvation, but God needs to get all of you. And so you have to walk through surrender. I want to show you. So as I was doing this, again, here's another little lesson for you. You need to ask who, what, where, when, why, and how when you're reading the Bible. Because as you dance around those, with those questions, you begin to pull different things out of Scripture. All this that I'm telling you today came out of the how. I could preach a whole series on many different things about surrender, but today I'm just going to talk about my question of how. And I pulled out three aspects of surrender. There's many, but these are just the three that I want to give you today. The first aspect of surrender is called the process or the pressing And as we see here in verse 36, Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. Right before this, he was up on Mount Olives. Now, Jesus didn't do anything that the Holy Spirit wasn't doing. 
okay? So he had a reason why he left Mount Olives down to Gethsemane, which, by the way, it's just a hill. They call it a mountain. I'm from Tennessee. That wasn't a mountain. I saw the Mount Olives. It's a hill. But to you Floridians, it's a mountain, okay? And so you look up here, and you can I mean, it's probably 500 feet high. And uh, you look at it, and there's olive trees up there, hence the name uh, Mount Olives, but at the bottom is called Gethsemane. And you know what Gethsemane means? It means oil press. And so he left Mount Olives down to Gethsemane on purpose because he was feeling the pressure. He was being pressed. And so the process is the pressing. Jesus was feeling it. And so he went away to be with the Lord. If you can imagine with me in this moment, and I'll show you that he was feeling it. 33 years he'd lived his blameless life. Okay, he was the night before he was about to die. And he knows what was ahead of him. He knew it. He read Isaiah. He knows that he's going to be beaten beyond the recognition of being a man. That's how brutally bad Jesus was beaten. They didn't even, couldn't even see that he was a, a human being. He was beaten so bad. He knew that David had prophesied that he had to be, uh, nails were going to go through his hand and his feet, and that he was going to be whipped and, and bleeding and brutally treated and hanging on a cross for you and for me. He knew that. And so he's feeling the pressure. 33 years he's walking this life, and, it, and now he, here he is in intense suffering. He even says it. He says that I, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. In Luke chapter 22, it tells it a little bit differently. It says that he was in such agony that he sweat blood. It's a real thing because there's blood vessels by your sweat glands. And it only comes when you're under so much agony that those blood vessels break and you sweat blood. It's a real medical issue. Jesus was experiencing that in this moment. He was in such agony and pressure and pressing because he was the holy lamb of God. And as God squeezed him, holiness came out. And he knew that the process and the pressing was for a purpose, and it was to go to Calvary for you and for me. We experience this too in our life. We feel the pressing from so many sides. It could be our job. It could be our finances. It could be uh, our children or our marriage or anything that you could think of. There's so many things. Life has a way of throwing us pressure. And we have to learn how to navigate that because I promise you, God uses that. Because he wants to press you to see what's inside of you. And if you allow him to press you and take you through the process and out comes holiness, then you're good. But if out comes something that is not of God, you're meant to repent so that you can be holy. And so that when you get squeezed and the world sees the pressure and the process, out spills an overflow of just holiness and godliness in your life. That's what we're meant to do so that we, you have to go through the pressing to get to your purpose. To be able to fulfill your purpose, you have to be pressed. If it was easy, we wouldn't need faith. If it was easy, we wouldn't need God. If it wasn't for pressure, we wouldn't see our purpose in the world today. Let me just illustrate this for you really quick. Because one of the greatest ways that I've seen uh, pressing is uh, nine months of my wife carrying a baby. Some of you guys in here right now are pregnant and laughing at this because you know what I'm talking about. Every conversation you have turns to baby. Everywhere that you go, you talk about baby. Everything that you buy, 
It's baby stuff. I promise you, I didn't buy myself anything for 10 months. I'm still not. It's all about baby. And everywhere you go, it leads to baby. Everyone wants to talk to you about the baby. Everything has to be about the baby. You know what that did? It humbled my selfish ambitions. It humbled me. It put me in the pressure cooker. There's no better pressure cooker than a mother being pregnant. And carrying something for nine months, it's always on your mind. It's constantly before you. You feel the pressing because you have to, you feel like, I got to get my house ready. I got to get my finances in order. I got to have this in order. And the Lord had a way of using this pressing to bring about this message that I'm telling you right now because my daughter's here. I walked through it, I promise you. And out came as a father. And I'm fulfilling my purpose as being a father. And so the pressing was used for my wife. It humbled me to lay myself down to love another. And now I get to see that when I walk in front of somebody out, out in public that I don't know, I can lay down my life for that person and say, you know what, I love you. I know why, because now I get a picture of God's love for me because of my love for my daughter. She's created by my wife and I with, you know, God says that he orchestrated, but you guys get the illustration. But I, I love my daughter, and so when I'm before that person, I see them as a son and daughter of God, and I can say that I love you because I went through the process. I went through the pressing and the pressure of life, and I came out on the other side. With the process comes pressing, and with the pressing comes pain. And we can see here again that pain, Jesus was in exceedingly sorrowful. Those are, uh, those are, I mean, Matthew put those words in there on purpose to trying to describe what was happening to Jesus. And he was wrestling with his father. I, I promise you he was. If you read this, you can see that Jesus was wrestling with, is, is it my will or your will, God? Because I really don't want to walk through this because I see what's coming. I know the pain that I'm going to have to go through. I know that I'm going to have to endure a lot, and I really don't want to drink this cup of sorrow, but not my will, your will be done. And so the second aspect of surrender is the pain. But in the pain, you can have the peace. Let me explain. When the pressing begins to reduce that pain, I call this the transition phase. You're transitioning. And again, let me explain this in childbirth. There is a point called transition that where the mother goes from labor to active labor and they experience it differently. It's amazing. They will begin to say things like this. I can't do this. I can't do this. The pain is too great. I can't take this. My wife had a natural birth, by the way. She's an amazing, strong woman. And she didn't have those words at all. And this is what I'm trying to say. Is in that moment, they can begin to say, I can't make this. I can't do this anymore. What's happening is their will is having to surrender to another thing that's happening. Their past has to go, and their future is coming about. And the future is that baby. And that she once was, she was a wife, and now she's a mother. And so she's wrestling with that. And it has to be, uh, my will has to go, and I have to just give in to this. It's going to hurt, but I have to give in to this. And when they give in to that, peace comes. The peace comes. 
We can see this here in the passage. I didn't read this verse, but let me jump ahead to verse 53. And it says, Or do you think that I cannot pray to my Father, and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? I bring that out because this is the moment when Peter draws the sword and cuts the ear off of the servant of the priest, and Jesus puts it back on and heals the man. And he says, Peter, don't you understand? I could call down 12 legions of angels. One legion is 6,000 angels, by the way. I could call down thousands of angels to wipe you all out. Why am I not doing that? Because he settled in his heart to go through the agony and the pain. And he had peace about what he was about to go through. And therefore, he kept his mouth shut and didn't call, the, and didn't call, call for his father to release those angels. He got the peace that he needed. Let me show you this. This helped me a lot when I was studying out surrender. I found that there's actually two Greek words that mean surrender. The first one is epididymi. Okay? Uh, it means to give over and to surrender. The other one is paradidomy, which means to be handed over, to be delivered over, or to be taken by force. And so if we break these words down, each of them have two Greek words in them as well. And the first one, epididymi, uh, has a preposition called epi, and that preposition means uh, above or upward. And didomy means to yield. So epididymi literally means to yield upward, to give up, to release upward. The whole sign is like I'm sitting here on my knees and I'm releasing up to God my life with open hands. I'm saying to him, you can have everything that I have right here, Lord. It's open for you. You use it as you will. Your will be done, not mine. Even though I'm walking through pain right now, I need your peace to be settled in my heart, and it only comes when I open my hand before you. And I know that I can endure the pain with your peace. The other one is paradidomy. Para is a preposition. And it means against or contrary to. And again, didomy means to yield. So paradidomy means to uh, be against yielding. Contrary to yielding, it means that you're not going down without a fight. Or to be held prisoner. And so in this case, the image that I get is like a closed fist. And I begin to say things like this. What's mine is mine. And you can't have it. I made all this happen under my power. This is mine. I'm keeping all this right here to myself, and you can't have it. Do you know that it's really against our uh, nature to be like this surrendered servant? Our nature is to control. Our nature is to hold on. Our nature is to keep everything to ourselves. But God has a way. Listen, the kingdom principles are higher than the earthly principles. And let me show you something, that when you offer a little gift to to the Lord, like that little servant did to feed 5,000. God took it and multiplied it and poured it back out. So your little offering, your little gift that you present to the Lord, he's going to take that, multiply it, give it back down to you, and you begin to distribute it out. One life right now is speaking 
to you. You're feeding off of my surrender to the Lord right now. This is my little gift. I'm not very good. I'm not very smart. I wasn't very good at, at illustrating things and teaching and preaching, but God has taken this little gift with my little open hand because let me tell you, the stage is my sacrifice. I'd rather be a son and I'd rather be on my knees praying before the Lord and fulfilling my purpose, but the stage today is just meant to show you that a life of surrender with an open hand, you can begin to give things out to people and fulfill your purpose and calling. It's only when you yield upward to the Lord. It's only when you yield up. I told you that that phase, transition phase, when my wife, my wife yielded over to becoming a mother, peace came into the house. And it was the most peaceful experience. She had pain. Because I'm, here to, I'm not here to give you a false word. Let me be very clear. There will be pain in life. There will be suffering. The Bible even tells us that. That we are going to suffer and we are going to have pain. Life just does that to us. But we have a supernatural peace. His name is Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. And peace is not the absence of pain. It's the presence of Jesus. And when we yield ourselves up to Him... And we say, I got pain right now, but I need your peace. And if I have your peace, I can make it. I'm going to go. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep pressing. Because peace is the outcome when we fully surrender to an all-sufficient God. Just like the feeding of the 5,000, he was teaching them about his all-sufficiency. Jesus is our all-sufficient God. And we have to surrender and trust him. It's a trust thing. Your faith needs to go upward. If anything that you get today, just understand that you need to yield up to God. Yield up an offering to him. Become that living sacrifice. Yield it up to him. And you'll be put in places you never thought you would be. You'll be talking to people you never thought you'd be talking to. You'll be doing things you never thought that you could do. And in the book of Proverbs, it says that your gift will put you before kings and queens. That God will do that because a surrender life opens more doors than man ever could. Man, I'm preaching myself happy. I don't know about you guys. It's quiet in here. I'm getting happy about this because I'm walking through some pain right now. Come on. Being a father is hard. I found that out. I used to make fun of you fathers for just being like, oh, you're just, uh, you're just being exaggerative. It's hard. I'm walking through pain and Jesus is taking me in with his peace right now because I'm meant to be a father. Come on. Biblical surrender we have to gain, not the world's perspective. When you find yourself in this place of, of pain, put your faith up to God. When you settle it in your heart to do his will, then he will give you his peace. If we, need, if we never had to have surrender, then we would never need faith. If we never had trials, we'd never have triumphs. If we never had to push through, we would never see our breakthrough. And if we never had to walk through surrender, we'd never have purpose. God is faithful time and time again to meet me in these times. He's faithful. Which leads me to my third aspect of surrender. I've hit it a hundred times. It means it is your purpose. And that means your position, that oftentimes when God is testing your surrender, he's testing the position of your heart. And every time I say, not my will be done, Lord, your will be done. 
In that very moment, I stepped into purpose. I stepped into calling. I stepped into my destiny. I stepped into what I was supposed to be doing right then and there. So when I walk into a superstore, or I'm in Publix and I say, not my will, your will be done. And the person that comes before me, my spill out of Jesus just begins to happen. It's exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. It's the purpose I'm supposed to be living out in that moment. The surrender always tests the position of your heart. Let's read something in Isaiah 53. We'll have it on the screen here. You guys don't have to turn there, but I want to show you something that's very interesting. Isaiah 53, we're going to start in verse 6, and I'm going to read this out for you to verse 11. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He's talking about Jesus here. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before the shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. First of all, not opening your mouth is a sign of surrender. This was a sign of surrender of Jesus. He did not have to plead his case. He was surrendered to the Father, so he didn't have to open his mouth. It didn't matter what everyone around him thought. All that mattered was the thoughts of his father. He was, so, he was taken from prison and from judgment, and he will declare his generation, for he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken, and they made his grave with the wicked, but the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, the word bruised there means to crush. It pleased the Lord to crush Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that your purpose and your destiny is to be crushed by the Lord. It was Jesus' purpose and destiny to be crushed by the Lord. And it pleased the Father to do that. Why? Because he looked into eternity and saw you and he saw me. And he says, I'm going to send my son and it's going to please me to crush him because you're going to get the gain from it. You're going to get salvation. And I'm going to get an opportunity to be with you and in relationship with you and speak into your life and take you on a journey and bring you into my kingdom. So it pleased the Lord to crush Jesus. He's not going to crush you because he crushed him it pleased to crush him he was he put he has put him to grief when you make his soul an offering for sin he shall see his seed he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the lord shall prosper in his hand and he shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied the labor of his soul was you he went through the process for you he endured the pain for you and to be our example and show us that we have to go to a process and endure pain, but have his peace. And it gets settled in our heart so that we can fulfill our purpose. Because Jesus' purpose was to be the Lamb of God. To die for you and for me. It pleased God to crush him. Because no there was no greater purpose for Jesus. It wasn't healing the sick. It wasn't casting out demons. It wasn't cleansing the lepers. It wasn't raising dead people. It wasn't giving good illustrations. It was enduring the cross and dying for you and me. He saw that into the future that he needed to do that for you. And so he set, that gave him peace to take it on and keep going. It came by way of surrender, and that's the only way that he fulfilled his destiny. 
If we could look ahead and see, I started out by saying this, if we could look ahead and see 15 years from now what it would be like if God got a hold of a fully surrendered me, we would do it in a heartbeat. Do it in a heartbeat. Be like, that's worth it. Why? Because no mother ever endured the pain of childbirth and remembered it when she held the blessing. Come on, all my mothers are saying amen in here because they know what I'm talking about. When that baby came out and my wife held her, there was no more pain. She didn't think about pain. She didn't think about the process. She thought about, I'm living in my purpose right now. This is my blessing. This is my daughter. This is my promise. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm holding it right now. All of it was worth it. It's worth it. If we could look 15 years ahead from now and see what uh, Pinellas County would look like for Generation Church to surrender, and it would be changed because God can do more with one surrendered church than a million surrendered churches that aren't, a million churches that aren't surrendered. He can do more with us living in surrender, healing Pinellas County. Nobody may hear of us right now, but we can make a noise if we begin to surrender. And it doesn't take everybody else. We could change the world. Jesus changed the world one life. He changed the world in three years. What would it look like 15 years of fully surrendered church in Pinellas County? We take it over. It excites me. It's what gets me up in the morning. Come on. This is encouraging. We need to be fully surrendered. I said before, this is hard work. It's not easy to walk that. It's not. Because again, we wrestle with our will and God's will. That's where the wrestling happens. It's not easy to surrender. It's like being a father is hard. But I surrender for that love. Because I, I love my father in heaven so much that I'll surrender my life to him. And I trust him because he's faithful. This kingdom principle is opposite of culture. Culture says, get it and keep it. God says, if you surrender, I'll take it multiply it, give it back to you, and let you manage it. There's something satisfying about taking what God gives me and using it to advance the kingdom. It's what gets me going. It's what makes Wednesdays over there in the youth worth it. I promise you I get no response over there, and it doesn't matter. You know why? Because the word's being preached, and it's satisfying to me to release the word of God and know that lives are going to be changed. And I get to see 15 years from now the fruit of that labor when they're standing on a stage releasing the gospel and seeing blind eyes open and lives being changed because in a moment, quietly, even though they didn't respond, they surrendered to the Lord. It's worth it. It's worth it. Can we live with that perspective? Can we live just saying, Oh, you know what? Because it's easy for us to be drawn into the moment. It's easy for us to be drawn in to our circumstances around us. But can we begin to live with a perspective that says there's people around us that are hurting and broken and I have the answer and I can't hold it. I can't hold Jesus with a closed fist. I hold him with an open hand and I begin to release him wherever I go. 
we have to be willing. This is why there's conflict happening in each of our lives, even right now. But it is birth pains to your purpose. There will not be a dream aborted in here if we surrender. You know that he's faithful to finish what he started. He's faithful to his promise. It took David nine years, I believe, to become king after he was anointed, but he became king. It took Abram many, many years to get the promise of his son. It took 40 years for the Israelites to enter into Israel. Sometimes it takes a little time for us to fulfill our purpose, and we got to keep surrendering and walking through conflict and, and grabbing on to his peace and not complaining, but releasing what it is that he's showing us and telling us to the people around us. We have to yearn for this. These, these moments of pressure and pain should lead us to our knees and lead us to having cries of intercession to possess the will of God for our lives. And when it comes, you can't hold on to it tight. You have to remain open and remain surrendered. Why? Because God needs you to be that way. Because, like I said, an entire church willing to surrender changes things. It changes the game. It changes the game. You might not think that you're, you might think right now that surrender is a sign of weakness, but I want to tell you that it's the greatest thing you'll ever do. Surrender will lead you to God's purpose, and you'll find yourself in places you didn't think you'd ever be. You'll be talking to people that are high up, and you didn't think that you would be there. You're not even supposed to be there, but God opened the door for you to be there. And you know what? In that moment, he's already given you something from your past process and pain to release something to that person that's in front of you. You think that that person has it all together? Well, they don't. He puts you there for a reason to be a mouthpiece for him, to be a blessing to that person. And he does that when we surrender. He puts us in places in front of people we didn't think we'd be. You'd be doing things you never thought you would do because a surrender life will open that door for you. Man can't open that for you. God opens that for you. And God elevates you when you surrender. So today I've been preaching this message on surrender. I can say one thing, but the Holy Spirit is a really good teacher as well. I know he's been speaking to your hearts. And he's maybe bringing things up that need to be surrendered right now. Or maybe he's just giving you the revelation that you're in process. And that's okay. And you didn't know that your pain could have peace with it. Maybe you're in that valley that I was talking about. And you're walking through pain. Maybe you're a single mother right now. And you're in pain. And you don't think that there's anything for you in this life. But I'm here to tell you that there is. And that's just the devil lying to you. Because there's a plan and a purpose and a destiny over you all. And it's not mine. It doesn't look like me, so let's stop comparing each other and stop trying to get what the other person has and begin to be the unique you that God created you to be and live out your destiny and your calling because it's great. The world needs what you have, and God has it. Surrender to His Spirit today. So as the worship team comes forward, couple things that I felt like the Lord was saying. One is that moment, or those things that Holy Spirit is revealing right now. It's time to let those go. 
you know why? I, got, I kept getting an image of monkey bars. You guys know what monkey bars are, right? Like the playground game where you, 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 you're swinging from one thing to the next. You can't grab onto the future unless you let go of the past. You can't move forward in life unless you let go of what's behind you. And some of us need to surrender the past and let go so that you can move into your future. Some of us need to forgive somebody from the past because that for, this is what happens when you forgive, when, you're, when you walk in unforgiveness, you bind yourself to that person and every day you have to wake up and think about that. Every day you're held to that and it holds you and restricts you. You know who suffers from that? You. The other person's going on with his life, her life, you know who's suffering? You are. God is offering forgiveness to you right now. If you let go, he will show you destiny and give you purpose and a calling. You can move forward in your life. So if that's you, when we worship, I want you guys to surrender these things. So with every head bowed and every eye closed as the worship team begins to play here, I just want to also make a call for salvation because the greatest surrender is to become a son and a daughter. That is the greatest calling and destiny in our life is to be a child of God. You know, I wrestled for many years of not being able to find peace and I felt dry and I felt like I needed something and the world couldn't quench it and I couldn't eat enough and I couldn't take enough drugs and drink enough alcohol to wash my pain away. It only went away when I surrendered to the Father. It only went away when I said, Jesus, you're my Savior. Jesus, I need you. It says in John 7 that he is the living water. And that, that, that thing that was in my soul that couldn't be quenched, he did. He's the only way that I found purpose in my life was through Jesus. And if that's you today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus. Answer that question inside of you. Who am I created to be? And that thing that the world can't satisfy is meant to be Jesus in your life. If that is you today, I want you to be bold. Nobody's looking. Every head's bowed. Every eye is closed. I want you to slip your hand up so I can pray for you. I see those hands in here. I see those hands in here. I thank you for your boldness to surrender to Jesus today, to surrender to this walk with him. I promise you, I promise you that it will be the greatest thing in your life. You will find peace for the first time. His name is Jesus, and he's here right now. Some of you are experiencing it right now, his peace. And so I, I don't want to embarrass these people that raised their hand. I want all of us just to repeat this prayer, and I want you to mean it. Those that raised their hands, I want you to say this from your heart. I want you to say this. I want it to be a cry from your heart because you know the pain that I've been talking about. You know the pressure that you've been feeling. You know the struggles that you've been going through. And you know right now, deep down in your heart, you know that Jesus is the answer, and I want you to pray from that place. I want you to pray from that place in your heart that says, you are the way. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. So will you repeat, repeat after me? Everybody repeat this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, I thank you for your surrender. I thank you for dying on the cross for me. You are the answer to my longing. 
And I invite you into my life right now. I ask you to forgive me of my, of my sin. Lord, I let go of the past and I hold on to the future. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, come and fill every void. Wash away every pain. Give me that living water and I receive your peace. In Jesus' name.